The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, also now in association with IndiePW.com. We are sponsored by CollarAndEbbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. Also in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TVTalkPod. To listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those other podcatchers out there as well. As always, I'm Big Joe. And I am Carl Caravel. Yes, Carl, another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling. And first topic is one that I didn't think we'd be talking about for a while, but we're going to. Mr. John Cena will be returning to the WWE on February 28th on SmackDown. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> I don't care. Honestly, at this point, I mean, the guy has done a lot for the professional wrestling business. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he's left and he's gone and he's been doing movies and he's been doing, you know, all this other stuff. And he's still doing stuff with the WWE, um, you know, whether it's a meet and greet here and there and stuff like that. But, dude, you've left. Like, you're coming back and this is only going to be a little bit of a build up for a match at WrestleMania that, again, is taking away from somebody else who could be on that card. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have, have have you heard who apparently is going to be his opponent at WrestleMania? I have heard. I'm not sure if you have. Um, I, I hope it's not that. But my take on it before uh, I get to that, you will probably be surprised, Carl, and listeners will probably be surprised. I'm actually pretty excited and pretty happy about this. Because what I think is very interesting is John Cena is in the new Fast and Furious movie. And what's interesting with that is he is playing a bad guy in the new Fast and Furious movie. So we could potentially have at least, maybe not full-on bad guy John Cena, but we might have the... uh, you know, the thugonomics version of John Cena, which I think would be really cool. And quite frankly, Carl, the WWE needs a guy like Cena right now to, to draw in some viewership, to draw in some interest. They desperately need it. I mean, it could be cool, but honestly, I don't think that we will ever see that like bad guy side of John Cena. Mm-hmm. Whether he's playing that in a movie or not, I, I don't think that we're ever going to see it because that is not what he was you know, showcased to be. He's always been that good guy. Don't get me wrong, a little bit, the thugonomic stuff, you know, that was that was all cool, but still people were cheering him. He wasn't really a bad guy. Um, and that's, I mean, that's how the WWE Universe knows John Cena, is that yeah. good guy. So yeah. to, to do something like that, you got to remember, John Cena is catering to the children. Mm-hmm. So now, 
we're going to have the children that are like, oh, he's he's a bad guy. I don't like him anymore. And then you're going to start seeing, you know, all of the the sales for John Cena stuff start to drop. And, and, and they, you know, you got to think of the, the kids themselves. I've asked my children, mm-hmm. if John Cena were to go be a bad guy, what would, what would you think? And they're like, I wouldn't like John Cena anymore. That's the whole idea, right? You don't want to like the bad guy. Otherwise, you failed well, as a bad no, guy. No, exactly. But, yeah. you, but, but, I mean, with that, the kids are the ones that are buying the John Cena merchandise. Are they still, though? Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely yeah. are. Now, let's keep in mind, let's rewind the clock and let's talk about Mr. Hulk Hogan. As much as I fucking hate Hulk Hogan, um, we never thought we were going to see a heel or a bad guy version of Hulk Hogan. And guess what, Carl? We saw a bad guy version of Hulk Hogan. So if they can do it with Hulk Hogan, they can sure as hell do it with John Cena. Who did it with Hulk Hogan? WCW. That's right. Mm-hmm. was not the WWE that did it with Hulk Hogan. Every time that you see Hulk Hogan come back on WWE programming, mm-hmm. except for when they took over WCW, yep. Hulk Hogan has always been the good guy. WWE has never turned Hulk Hogan heel. WCW turned Hulk Hogan heel. Difference. Well, I think you could make the uh, the argument. Uh, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but the the, the Hollywood uh, Hulk Hogan character. I think you could make a, a fair argument there that he wasn't necessarily a good guy because the NWO was a heel or a bad guy faction, and uh, he was incorporated with that, and that did come over to the WWE a little bit as well. So you, you can make the uh, the bit of a reach there that that kind of was a bad guy version of Hulk Hogan. But I, I see what you're getting at, but. Uh, but like I said, dude. I mean, if uh, if they if somebody could turn Hulk Hogan heel, somebody could turn John Cena heel. I think it would coincide with the movie they like to cross promote like that. And I think that's also another thing with this. So I would like to see it now. Given whose potential opponent is, I hope that this isn't the case because this would be very disappointing. This is like Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin retirement match. Bad. Uh, supposedly his opponent for WrestleMania is going to be. Elias, and that would be that would be shit, Carl. For there's just no other way to say it. that would be just shit. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's no context to that at all. No, and there I mean, isn't. <laughs> it, it, this might be kind of him coming back, you know, very very soon, right? This might be a way for them to kind of maybe build something up, but mm-hmm. right now, there's absolutely no context to no. it at all. Yeah. So. Can I get behind this? No. Um, honestly, uh, at, at this point, can I get behind John Cena versus anybody? N- no, because there's been nothing to substantiate John Cena versus mm-hmm. anybody at WrestleMania. Now, it's just being used as this person to be there to pull in a couple of numbers, hopefully. Hopefully. Now, what if they insert Cena into this whole thing that's going on with Randy Orton and Edge. That could potentially be something interesting. I know, again, you know, we're going back and relying on the, the, the quote-unquote legends with this, but, I mean, at this point, I think we kind of have to, Carl, because the, the, the current stable of talent in WWE, just either by choices and stepping up or the company's holding them back, we need these guys to come back and draw in some numbers. We, we just we, we need it. <laughs> Sure, totally understandable that we that we kind of need uh, some people to pu- pull in some numbers, but mm-hmm. 
again, what what does John Cena have to do with Randy Orton and Edge and and coming into that? I mean, again, there's a playoff. There's no rhyme or reason for John Cena to even get involved in that at all. Makes no sense to me. I guess to have you, John Cena go into that. I guess you just have to play off the history that they have. You may have to show some flashbacks and stuff like that. I think you could play off of that. Um, if they wanted to team up with uh, with a, a talent to put him over, I think uh, a good person to use here, this might sound a little nutty, but I'll throw out Matt Riddle. I think Matt Riddle versus John Cena could be an intriguing matchup. And, I mean, Cena is really, really good at putting people over in these kind of situations. I think that that could be intriguing. And then building off of that, if you wanted to incorporate in kind of a weird kind of roundabout way, you know, maybe have Brock come in at the end and then you could finally capitalize on that actual rivalry. I think you would have kind of an interesting kind of a a three-way kind of a thing going there. Having Cena versus Riddle and then you could bring in Brock to kind of uh, sabotage things at the end and then build up a thing with Riddle. So I think that that could be interesting too. We'll see what they do. If it's just Elias, then, then frankly, it's just a throwaway match at WrestleMania at that point. And that would be very unfortunate. You lost me at Matt Riddle. Oh, damn it. I'm going to convert you to a bro at, at, at one of these points. Eventually, I'm going to convert you. I'm going to try <laughs> my damn going to happen. I convert, hey, I made Drago um, a fan of Matt Riddle. I'm going to make you a fan eventually. Okay. Going to something that I was definitely a fan of, but it was, it, it was a little strange. Did you see the most recent episode of Dynamite, Carl? Yes. Um, so at the very end of the episode, somebody came out and... Yep. It was, it was for people who are kind of in the bubble like we are when he came out. I definitely popped. I'm not sure if you did, but Jeff Cobb came out to attack John Moxie along with the uh, the rest of the inner circle. And what was interesting, though, was that the crowd uh, there live was kind of, it was similar to when the Butcher and the Blade came out. It was like... Yeah, it was just like very subtle clapping and... The only thing that was missing were the people doing, who are you? Who are you? You know, just uh, the, the regular casual fan out there probably has no fucking clue who Jeff Cobb is. We know who Jeff Cobb is. I love Jeff Cobb. I know a lot of people do. Uh, insider bubble, right? So this was, it was a cool debut for people who pay attention to what's going on. But the rest of the people, again, are like golf clap. So... We'll see. It's I'm interested, but hopefully they can really kind of build on this guy because, damn it, he's got star written all of them. He's big, bad kind of uh, Kurt Angle. He's got a lot of different kind of things kind of going on at the same time. You know, he's got that uh, that almost kind of Samoan-ish type of heritage. He's built. He has like, like a background of Kurt Angle. He can work a character. It, it, there's so much potential with this guy. So much potential. There definitely is. I mean, the, the ending of that episode was almost very predictable considering um halfway through the program they had already said that you know <laughs> they already mentioned jeff cobb yeah so we already knew jeff cobb was going to be there and then it was just it was very predictable that yep he's going to be there at the end of the night um he's going to make his presence known so that you know people can find out who this guy is if you don't know already mm-hmm. um awesome talent great guy um 
he really hasn't even signed with AEW. No. Everything with Jeff Cobb right now is all just working on like handshake deal pretty much. He is still a free agent and he is keeping things that way because he still wants to do stuff with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he has Absolutely. some stuff coming up with New Japan, but also wants to broaden his horizons and uh, work for, you know, AEW and Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And honestly, good for him. Mm -hmm. Be that person who is going to go out there and show everybody else that you don't have to rely on just company number one. You can go out there and be an independent professional wrestler mm -hmm. working for multiple companies. Like that's yeah, I mean, good for him, and I'm happy to see him there. Like this is this is awesome. I, I it's, I think it's really cool what they're doing with the inner circle. I yeah. really love that they're you know slowly adding in a couple more members. You know, like I mean, not a couple more. They they've added now Jeff Cobb. Yep. Right, but you know, four months down the road, who who knows if they're going to add in somebody else and you know kind of build up this this really good faction not that it isn't right now because it definitely is mm -hmm. but i'm just happy to see that they're you know expanding a little bit more on the faction side of things and uh, i mean jeff cobb is an amazing acquisition it seems to me like he's almost pulling a combination of of what Kota Ibushi was doing and what Marty was doing for a little while. He wants to kind of test the waters and just kind of get out there and get his feet wet all over the place and then maybe decide on a uh, on something permanent. Again, for, for me, if I were to speculate on where I'd like him to end up, when I look at other talent that could match up really well with him, I mean, I have my eyes fixed squarely on NXT, especially with guys like Keith Lee over there. Wow. I could just imagine a matchup with Keith Lee and Jeff Cobb. I mean, I know you'd have to have more than just one guy to match him up against, but I think, honestly, he could match up with well with a lot of guys over there. Big E would be another really good matchup. A lot of big physical mobile guys like him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he kind of tests the waters and where he might actually land and uh, sign a permanent deal. Might he go back to Ring of Honor? Will he still show up in Ring of Honor now? Who knows? I mean, at the very least, it's very interesting to see somebody who is kind of technically still involved with Ring of Honor in New Japan showing up in AEW. It, it's a, it makes for some really weird kind of interesting things going on that we just don't see in WWE with all these people kind of crossing over and touching base here and touching base here. So it, it can really make for some interesting surprises. So I'm actually hoping that maybe he won't be the only one to do this, but we'll see. That's exactly my hopes as well. Like I said uh, earlier, I hope that that he kind of shows everybody else that you don't have to just settle for one company. Yep. You can go out and, and work for multiple companies and get your name out there. Um, now, in regards to um, Jeff Cobb going, uh, you know, NXT, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, and I've heard it from a few other people and I've heard it from. I heard it from from the old man. I heard it from uh, you know the father-in-law himself. He says NXT is starting to turn into Raw and SmackDown, and I don't like it. He says. So, I mean, yeah, the guy has so much potential that I don't want to see him go to NXT just to be misused. Um, I mean, they'll make him, you know, like the top guy, put him up there with like a uh, Tommaso Ciampa and a uh, Adam Cole for a little bit, 
But then afterwards, what are they going to do with him? There's going to be nothing that they do with him, and he's just going to be a wasted talent. Whereas if he works for AEW and ROH mm-hmm. and New Japan, so let's say New Japan, he's the top guy. Well, then he doesn't have to be an ROH or AEW, but he can still be collecting some money working for them. And then when his run with uh, at the top of New Japan ends, well, okay, AEW is going to put him at top. So no matter where he is, he's going to be on the top. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whereas with NXT, he's going to be on the top for six months and then lost in the shuffle of everything else. That's my fear. Yeah, and it's a, a well-founded fear. You have people that, um, another example, I, I believe it was on Twitter. It, no, I don't think it was on Facebook. I think it was on Twitter. Cedric Alexander just uh, basically put a very short post, you know, feeling very frustrated or something like that. You know, there's somebody, uh, perfect example, why the hell Cedric Alexander ever left Ring of Honor right before all the stuff with the elite and all that kind of stuff happened that that's to me, it still blew my mind why he left there. Yeah. Like it was, it was like sh- very shortly before all that kind of happened. And damn, imagine uh, the matchups he could have had with some of those guys. And even now, um, he's the type of guy that I think, dude, just let your contract run out and go back to ring of honor. They're seemingly on kind of the upturn now, now that Marty's involved, um, you know, it seems like management is ready to kind of invest more. They said that they're going to be beefing up Honor Club. Uh, Joe Cobb kind of uh, did a short little video. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, Carl. Just basically talking about the company and just said, you know what, we're we're, we're working really hard to, to to make for a better experience for you guys when it comes to Honor Club, when it comes to the the live events and whatnot. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, what happens because. Damn it! You know, in 2019, Ring of Honor, I had called them my best promotion, and in 2020, that it it did kind of a real kind of nosedive there. I, actually, it's the other way around. In 2018, they were my uh, company of the year, and then 2019, I said you know they were kind of near the bottom. But now there's that resurgence, so it's cool. And I think there could be maybe a little bit of a flow of guys that kind of go back, which I think would be interesting, especially if they feel misused in NXT or in WWE. Definitely. I mean, I have not seen. Um the Joe Cobb uh, uh, video that was put out. I have not seen that, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, definitely. And, and I want to throw out there as well. You're talking about a, a little bit of a resurgence for uh, ring of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on the run or, or not anywhere, but I think it's, it's worth mentioning. Um, sure. I actually watched uh, impact from this past week. Really? And there was, a, we've talked about this before. Um, I was surprised to see that there was actually about, five or six matches hmm. that weren't just there and one flashback. So there was actual matches yeah. happening in this one <laughs> arena. Now they That's were good. somewhere in Mexico, but they, it was this one arena hmm. and they had like five or six matches going on. Yeah. I was super happy to see that. And if they continue doing that and building some good storylines and building some, some different storylines, Mm-hmm. Because there's some stuff going on there that that I've seen for like a year now and I'm kind of tired. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. yeah, if they continue to do that and start building some more storylines around and actually having matches as opposed to flashbacks and backstage, I think that they're going to have a resurgence as well. So 
they, they need to find a way to build and to actually start paying their talent a decent amount of money so we don't have to see the, like the Tessa Blanchard type of situation and the girls having to, to post uh, nude and bikini shots and stuff like that to try and make some extra money. Wrestling talent shouldn't have to resort to that. It, it, it makes them look bad. It makes the company that they work for look bad. You know, I don't want to get into the whole Tessa Blanchard thing again, but I mean, just the fact that somebody of her caliber had to resort to that. If I was working for Impact High Up, I would be ashamed to know that my current world heavyweight champion was having to resort to recording themselves on the toilet. That is just awful. And you know, not even WWE can claim that they do stupid shit like that. So uh, even yeah. Vince, I don't think, would uh, uh, like that or resort to that. At least I would hope not. <clears throat> I don't know. He's dropped feces on people. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. That's close uh, enough. Cl- it's, it's close, but it's not, yeah, uh, it's yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Okay. So going moving on, on. <laughs> moving on from that to, uh, something that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. This is, uh, kind of based off of a topic, you know, we've kind of talked about it a bit before, but this is really stemming off of a topic that came up on last week's episode of the Hitting the Marks Parsing podcast with Michael Jargo and Rick Vickery. And Jargo was very perplexed and didn't kind of understand why luchadors and why Mexican wrestlers and all these high flyer types, especially the, the Mexican type wrestlers, just don't seem to know how to throw a, a convincing punch or a kick. And... I think I have the answer. I think it's a very simple thing with this, Carl, is that they just aren't trained to throw punches and kicks. They're trained to wrestle. They're trained to do, you know, suplexes, body slams, you know, the the, the flipping stuff to go out. They're, they're just, they're trained to punch and kick. They're not in there to have a fight. They're there to wrestle. And that's why they're honestly not very good. And now they're not quite as bad as the Dark Order guy trying to punch Dustin Rhodes and like not even getting within two feet of him. Not that bad. But yeah, these Mexican guys, they just, they, they just aren't trained on punching because it's just, it's not supposed to be a part of wrestling. It's something that again, was used as a tool for when the referee wasn't looking to get away with something, to get the heel over as a bad guy, not to just be running and punching each other all over the place like that. Like we see a lot of it now still. That's, I think that's the reason there. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Honestly, I don't have really much more to add to that. You hit everything. You hit all the points. Everything was right on the head. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. Not really much more that you can say about that. That's it's just the way that they've been trained, and that's the way that uh, the heritage uh, has been brought up uh, throughout professional wrestling over in uh, like Mexico and and any any of the luchador wrestlers. That's how they've been taught. It's always been you know, grapple mat, or it's been high fly mm-hmm. or you, you, you learn both, right? I yep. mean, you, you have a, a combination of both and that is what you use. Like you said, you know, a punch or a kick or something like that was used, uh, while the referee's back was turned to kind of get the upper hand. Right. That's, that's it. Right. So yeah, I, I honestly, I, I get it. I've always gotten that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not <laughs> much more you can say. And we had mentioned, I believe it was the last week of the week before, we talked about the whole atmosphere in Japanese wrestling when it comes to the crowd, where it's they're, they're very much in a respective kind of way. You know, they, they're not hooting and hollering. They're, they're clapping very respectively and kind of in the moment. That's very much so the case in Mexico as well. I mean, I haven't yes. seen a lot of, of Mexican wrestling lately, but I remember 
back when we were, I would say, you know, like mid grade school, high school, there was a, a channel that used to show Mexican wrestling, like very occasionally. It was usually on, on a weird time and only about once a week. And it was very much that same kind of deal over in Mexico. The, the fans are there and it's like the, they're watching a legitimate sporting event. You know, they, they support it. They, they cheer very much in that respect. And the, the, the commentators, they, they must have had like soccer commentators at the time because they were very much kind of over the top. But the, the, the fans are like, you know, just very respectable of what, what, what they're watching. And whereas with North American stuff, not so much. There's some places that are better than others, but, uh, but Mexican wrestling fans, it's very much kind of similar to the Japan, the, the Japanese stuff. And yeah, just the, the punching and kicking just isn't something that was really a staple or, or done all the time over there. It, like I said, it was done very occasionally, very sparingly as a tool to get the bad guy over. That's right. And I do believe that um, what, what the, the company that you're thinking of, and, and if I'm thinking back correctly, I think it was CMLL um, that, that yeah. when we were younger, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. So, I yeah. So. And I mean, CMLL still going today. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 I mean, they've they've clearly got it. And I mean, their fan base uh, is is huge as well in, you know, Mexico and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They yeah. got it right. Maybe some kind of shady business practices once in a while, but again, it is Mexico. Uh, things are very different over there, law wise and whatnot. You know, not yeah. going into too many details when it comes to Mexican laws, but uh, let's just say they're a lot um, stranger than we are with some of the laws and um, stuff that just wouldn't fly over here in Canada and the U.S. That's all I'll say. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Now, coming up to for this next topic here, Carl, it looks like we should be seeing Undertaker at WrestleMania this year, which uh, is interesting because he actually was absent last year. But what's interesting and I find kind of perplexing is, is who his potential opponent is here, Carl. And we're talking Mr. AJ Styles. Now, I have a tremendous amount of respect for both of these guys, and I think that they're both excellent in the ring, great characters, great ability and whatnot. But there's just nothing tying these guys together to have a match. Again, it comes back to John Cena, Elias. Hmm. There's nothing, no context, no, like, yeah, yeah, I don't, like, I honestly, I just don't get it. Now, uh, understandably, The Undertaker is The Undertaker, and he's going to be a draw no matter what. I mean, to this day, if I could go and see you know, a show that has The Undertaker on the card, I'm definitely going to do my best to be at that show. Of course, because it's The Undertaker. But do we we need to have The Undertaker in a match? We've seen his last few matches that have all been very, very safe and and not The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. So especially putting him up against a guy like John Cena, or I mean, AJ Styles, I mean, like, AJ Styles is a guy that has so much pep in his step. He can just go, go, go. And we're going to put him in the ring with the undertaker who can't is not at his prime anymore. Right. It's a very odd matchup. We basically, you have the immovable object against the, the spark plug 
I think might be a good way to kind of put it. You know, AJ is a very mobile guy in the ring, and Undertaker just is not anymore. I mean, Undertaker can move a little bit when he when he wants to, but I mean, he's going to be hurting for months and potentially years afterwards. It's just it's stylistically, it's just it's a very weird matchup, and there's just no context or no beef between these guys to even have a match. No. I mean, <laughs> exactly. If they're going to start this, you got to start doing this now. Or you got to start doing it soon. I mean, uh, the the time is kind of creeping up on us here. If they want to set this up. But I, I, just, I have zero faith that they'll uh, they'll do a proper build. This is going to be something, Carl, that we're going to see probably like two weeks before. And Taker's just going to come on and go, I choose you, AJ Styles. We're going to WrestleMania. I don't, I don't do yeah, a Yeah, they should have done this like five months ago. Do something. <laughs> Something's better than nothing. Give these guys a reason to have a match. We can't just so throw... This is supposed to be WrestleMania. It's... Is it just going to be all thrown together matches? I'd, oh man, just it's I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not digging it. I, I love both guys. How it's seeming right now. <laughs> I love both guys. That's the really shitty part of this. I mean, you, just, you can't just throw two guys together and just hey, it'll be good and they'll watch it because it's WrestleMania. No, no, they won't. Yeah, it's just it's not a selling point, and it, it should be if they were to build it properly or find some reason it could be, but it just it isn't because mm, damn it. Yep, <laughs> I know. Piss off. I know. Man, WrestleMania just, uh, it, it's not looking promising so far. I don't think that there's really much of anything kind of announced yet. I, I think pretty much Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley, I guess, is confirmed, which I, I think is somewhat interesting, but... Sure, maybe. You know, strange. We'll see what happens with that, too. That might be one to potentially talk about in the future. Um, going from that here, Carl, to some stuff that will be happening before WrestleMania weekend. I, I believe it should still be happening before. I don't know exactly when or how they're planning, if they're going to do a week before or a day or two before. I don't know yet. Um, but I, I figured we kind of would give a few of our picks for who we could potentially see for the Hall of Fame. And I, I broke it down to us picking two wrestlers and then one celebrity uh, that could potentially get in. Um, I think I'll kind of kick off with my first wrestler kind of pick, and this is one that I kind of always wanted to see and seems very unlikely, but I think it quite frankly is time. And especially as a Canadian wrestling fan, this is definitely one that I want to see. I am of course talking about Mr. Owen Hart. It is time, Carl. It is time for that beef to be done with and put Owen into the hall of fame. He very much so deserves it. I agree. Definitely. Like he 100% deserves that. That is, uh, I mean, he did so much for the business while he was alive. He died for that business. Mm -hmm. Literally. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand the whole beef and everything like that. And, and I understand where, you know, uh, where his wife is coming from and stuff. I totally get it. But mm -hmm. I mean, let, let them at least, it's, I mean, it's not going to be something that makes up for what happens, but let them at least, you know, give an accolade to what he did for the business. Yeah. Like not he, dying, <laughs> but for the wrestling that he actually did. And the other positive too, it's when you hear anybody who's done an interview with guys that have known Owen, even when we talked to uh, Mr. Jeff Jarrett and asked him about Owen, I mean, everybody's got a great, funny Owen Hart story. That they all loved working with this guy. He was a fun guy back, uh, you know, behind the curtain. And to me, that that more than justifies us. And and his career is just it's the icing on the cake. So yeah. I, I think it needs to happen. Will it? 
it's tough. It's not quite as bad as one that we'll kind of get into after we're done with this topic here. Um, my second wrestling uh, talent pick to go in, I, I think they've already kind of leaked it and kind of announced this, and I think he's very much deserving. And we're, of course, talking about Mr. Jushin Thunder Liger. This guy is somebody who just, he transcends. He it, seeming, it's, it's like even company lines don't even kind of matter with this guy. This guy wrestled Tyler Breeze in NXT while he was under contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. You don't see that with any other wrestling talent out there. This guy can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants when he was still going. Of course, he is retired now. I mean, never maybe never say never. You know, who knows what maybe he could be drawn out of retirement. But um, there was a guy that just, I mean, he is one of the best of all time and absolutely deserves a spot. Now, in regards to Jushin Thunder Liger, um, how much has he really done for the WWE, though? You got to remember, this is a WWE Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that they're including WCW in there because they bought WCW and stuff like that. And Jushin Thunder Liger did do some stuff with WCW. Mm -hmm. But with the WWE, he really hasn't done much except for that NXT with Tyler Breeze. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I... personally think that Jushin Thunder Liger should be more like the Colorflower Alley Club. You know, like yeah. like that type of, or the actual pro wrestling hall of fame. Um, so What's happening here is that we're kind of blurring the, the kayfabe line here with this, right? Because a lot of the WWE hall of fame inductions are based in kayfabe. Like right now too, there there's the strong consideration for Nikki and uh, Brie Bella to get in this year. Right. So that, that's purely a, a kayfabe induction there because if we're talking like actual wrestling ability and champions and stuff like that, they would absolutely not get in there, at least in my opinion. But yeah, I mean with Jushin, with Liger, we're, we're kind of, we're blurring that line a little bit. I mean, when you want to just talk, you know, accomplishments in his career, absolutely. The, the guy would deserve to get in there. But uh, like we've said before, with some of these other ones, you know, once WWE bought WCW, all of that kind of became WWE. So I guess we just have to kind of accept that fact and just kind of go off of that. I mean, he worked with a lot of the guys that have been in WWE as well, too. So there's a connection that you can kind of work off of there as well. I mean, guys like Rey Mysterio, all those luchador guys, you know, your Dean Malenko's, your Chris Jericho's, I guess... Maybe not quite because those guys are even in the company anymore. But, uh, I mean, the, the guy's influence, I mean, it crosses company lines. I think he's somebody that you can make an exception for because yeah. he's he's one of those guys that just it. He's a, a very rare person in the business that just, it, it doesn't matter. Just, I, I, I have no issue with him going in personally myself. Oh, I don't have any issue with it either. I was just, uh, just kind of pointing out that, like, really hasn't done much for the WWE. True. Per se, right? <laughs> yep. Now, for my celebrity pick, I have just one celebrity pick, and this is one that I think is, is very it's it's very appropriate because at the beginning she really helped kind of combine popular culture and wrestling, and we're talking about Cindy Lauper. Now, uh, I know probably not everybody's a fan of her music. I'm a child of the '80s, so I like a lot of that new wave kind of stuff. So that kind of stuff kind of appeals to me. But she helped kind of create that rock and wrestling kind of connection there in the early days of WrestleMania and brought it into the mainstream. And for that reason alone, I think she deserves a spot. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I believe she does too. 
I'm actually shocked that she hasn't gone in yet. We've had people like Drew Carey and whatnot and the, the Muppet babies that have gone in before her. So, um, yeah, I would uh, very much like to see her get in. <clears throat> Definitely. Okay, your two wrestler picks and your celebrity pick, Carl. Um, I went a little above and beyond because I could not decide. I could not break <laughs> it down far enough. I have four and two. Wow, okay. Instead of two and one. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I will start with the celebrity. Okay. Regis Philman. Hmm. He's been at a couple of different oh. WrestleManias. Um, huge namestay in the world of television. Yeah. Uh, a guy who has been through and gone through so much um, and has, you know, peop- has always, when he was, uh, you know, hosting, um, the talk show in the mornings, right? He he would Regis and Kelly. He would always have you know different professional wrestlers on there. Yeah, and he would too. always go back and talk about the the fun times that he had with the WWE. Yep. Definitely Regis. He was a cheerleader for uh, for the business, which I yeah. always respected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, second one, Motorhead. Mm, yes, yeah. So I I kind of had yeah. to go with you know a music star yeah. and then you know or or a, a band right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motorhead has done so much for for the WWE as well, from you know theme songs to um, uh, themes for pay per views, and you know done a lot. You know a lot of inspiration, especially to Triple H and at least uh, from Motorhead in the professional wrestling world. So Great pick. those are my two picks for celebrities. Nice. Those are good ones. Absolutely. Now these, um, okay. So I'm going to go with two big names that, uh, people would be like, Oh yeah, it's definitely. <clears throat> and then I'm, I, I have two names that people are going to be like, well, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, these second two names mm-hmm. are ones that I feel should be in there, but I'll do my big ones first. Bam, bam, Bigelow. Mm, yes, big one. Big, big, big one. He's not I mean, in already? This guy ha- did so much for the business. He was, again, as we, if you've listened to the podcasts before, you know that I am a fan of the big man style professional wrestling, especially the ones that could get up onto that top rope and do the same moves that you would see a luchador do. How is he not uh, already in? <laughs> I, right? <laughs> Right. I, yeah. I, I, I honestly thought that he was, I actually had to take a look and I'm looking through, yeah. you know, everybody in the hall of fame and I'm wow. like, he's not there. What is going on? They better not pull some crap over. They do that, that legacy one where they just lump a bunch of ones together. Kind of like what they did with Bruiser Brody. Uh, oh, they, they're going to again, you know it. Yeah. They, be, but Bam Bam better not be in that, in that group. That would be, that would be, that would be an effing shame. And even more shame would be this next name if they were to lump this guy in with the legacy. What you got? And we're talking the British Bulldog, David mm. Boyd Smith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Another one. Why is he not already in? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Like, there is no reason why British Bulldog should not be in there. These next two names, I guess you could almost consider them uh, for for the legacy one going in, but I would rather them actually be part of the Hall of Fame. Um, first one is 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 kind of a name that that everybody really knows, and this guy did so much for so many wrestlers in the business, ladies and gentlemen. Another pick who should be part of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020, 
Barry Horowitz. Mm, yes, yeah. Dude, the guy, I mean, throughout his entire career, that's all he did was put people over yeah. for years. And then finally, after what, like 22 years, he gets his first win in the WWE where somebody actually put him over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And without the guys like Barry Horowitz, you wouldn't have the other guys like the John Cena's and like the Rocks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So definitely, Barry Horowitz needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes, absolutely. Best jobber of all time. Yeah. Or sorry, yeah, enhanced name. People are going talk. to um, kind of kind of crap on me for. Uh-oh. But I'm a big fan of this kid. Um, fan of him. <clears throat> Uh, when he first came in, um, the guy has taken on the big show. He has faced off against Brock Lesnar. He has even faced off against Vince McMahon himself. I already know who you're going to pick. We're talking Zach Gowan, mm-hmm. the one-legged wonder, Zach Gowan. He was only there for a short period yeah. of time. I get that. But just the caliber of names that he was in the ring with, and not to play on the disability, but the guy would wrestle with one leg and he was doing moonsaults off of the top rope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some that can't do it with two legs. That's right. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. There you have it. There mm. is Carl Carafel's picks for the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, in time, hopefully we'll see all of these names get put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, will it be this year? Probably not. Yeah. But, I mean, at least Bam Bam and, and, and the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, let's at least put them in already. Come on. My, I actually thought of a third pick. Before okay, we re- good. Before we, reco- we recorded, there was one that I, I couldn't remember who, who I was picking, but it, it finally came to mind. And this guy better get in at some point. I think that this guy has probably helped out probably in, at least in WWE and kind of outside of WWE as well, kind of in that uh, putting over or arguably um, enhancement kind of role. William Regal, this is a, a guy that Berrigan at some point uh, doing the NXT stuff now. You know, he helps, uh, he's up and comers with, uh, with promos and whatnot. I mean, there's a guy that has, I, I have no idea how many people, like he's, uh, he's helped so far, especially in NXT. I mean, the number of climbs and climbs and climbs. Uh, he's somebody that very much deserves a spot in that Hall of Fame at some point. Um, yep. And even his wrestling career, you know, working with guys like even near the end with Daniel Bryan, I mean, he really helped kind of establish Daniel there as well. So, I mean, Dan, that's a guy that definitely deserves a spot at some point. And they better not overlook him or, or lump him in that uh <clears throat> legacy that legacy yeah pile up there that they do i hate that, that they do that <clears throat> okay so going from that to another wwe hall of fame here this is something we, we've we've touched on briefly before it, it's arguably probably one of the most polarizing and one of the hardest topics to talk about in professional wrestling i know a lot of podcasts tend to shy away from this topic but we are going to touch on it for a second time here carl because now that we're getting close to this season, of course, it always tends to kind of come up. Chris Benoit getting into the WWE Hall of Fame. This topic has come up again here, Carl. Is there any chance in hell, in your opinion, that he gets in this year or ever gets in? This year, no. Ever, yes. Okay. I think that there will be a time where Chris Benoit 
gets into the WWE Hall of Fame. I think Vince McMahon is going to have to die before that happens, mm-hmm. but I think that it will happen. For me, I, I think it could potentially happen, but what I think that they will likely do, just to say that they've they done and got it over with, is that they'll they'll include it in that legacy thing where they take like 10 or 20 of them and uh, they just make like quick mention. I could see them putting in him in that way. That way they can still say that they put him in, but they don't have to actually really talk about it too much. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Because, I mean, even with this Ruthless Aggression thing, they, they released the first episode of that uh, kind of documentary yeah. that they're doing. That That is going to be something very difficult to kind of pull off because as I believe that we mentioned either, not if not last week or the week before, that he was a pretty integral part of the Ruthless Aggression era. And it's going to be hard to talk about that era without mentioning Chris Benoit and some of the stuff that he did. So I'll be interested to see. Uh, I might actually start watching uh, these episodes of this to see if they even mention him at all because... I mean, he was a champion throughout a good portion of that era. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting because they they really really shy away from talking about him, and I totally get it. You know, even for myself, when it comes to Chris Benoit, I mean, when he was still wrestling before all the stuff happened, I was, you know, I'm a Canadian wrestling fan. He's a Canadian wrestler, so I just kind of became a fan by default and really liked that what he what he did. But what with what happened, you know, with him murdering his entire family and then killing himself. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where it just, it completely overshadows any of the positive things that happened. I can't even watch an interview, let alone a match that he does anymore. If it comes on in any kind of way, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on the network or anything, I have to turn it off. I, I don't know about you, but I can't even watch just knowing what he, what he did. I know that people feel, feel differently about that, but it's just one of those things that I just, I can't get it out of my mind. When I see him, I just, I picture him doing that to his family. I just, I can't get past it. No, I, I totally get that. Um, I mean, it's, I'm a little bit sucks. different with it. I mean, yeah. I, I understand. Um, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of in the mindset that, you know, like this, this either was him mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just, just from all the injuries and afterwards, like the autopsies and, and, and the studies on his brain and what they found out and, and everything that happened, um, I, I, I can understand. Right. Um, or, um, I'm still of the mindset that he, he could have been like, this could have been set up. Um, this could maybe not have been him. Um, and I mean that that's something that's floating out there. Uh, you know, huge conspiracy theorists, you know, are, are all about this. Um, until I can use a spirit box or something and actually talk with Chris Benoit and find out what happened, I have no clue what actually happened. Um, so, yeah. I I mean, either way, even if this is something that he did, uh, I, I I still believe that he just was not in his right mind, and uh, a, a, and it happened. And you know, afterwards, he realized what happened and and couldn't couldn't handle that on himself. And you know, yeah. ultimately. You know, took his own life, uh, you know, because he was probably that distraught over everything. Um, I, it's a very, very polarizing subject and topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try not to look at that, though, mm-hmm. because I know that that wasn't Chris Benoit. That was something else. Yeah. Right. Um See, when, when so, I when I look yeah, at that I, aspect of it, when uh, cause you, when you talk about that. 
when and when you look at you know just how precisely and how accurately like his family and himself were killed, you know just how. It, yeah, like you mentioned, it, dude, it's it's a hard thing to talk about, but I mean, if he if he did that, I mean, he did it very precisely and very, uh, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. It's dude. It's hard to talk about. I might have to edit yeah, a little bit of this it's, out. It's, but uh, honestly, this topic is is a loss for words. It definitely it, is. It, it really is. Personally, I don't really think that there's a conspiracy, um, but I, I know there's some people that think that there is. There's certain names I don't. I don't really want to name because I don't want to ruffle too many feathers with this. But it's one of those things where I, I just try. Frankly, either I don't see it him ever getting in, or he just gets lumped into one of these kind of legends. Um, packages and then that way they just they don't have to really technically kind of speak his name you know they could just put up like a graphic and him uh resting briefly for a second and then move on to the next one yeah that's really about it <clears throat> okay carl let's go to our match of the week segment before we go to our showstopper segment um do you want to go first or do you want me to give my pick this week first sure i'll go first okay. all good my match of the week actually comes from Impact Wrestling. Ooh, are you? Okay? I was are you very okay? Happy. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. okay. I, I was super happy with this match. I was very <laughs> happy with with the storytelling <clears throat> that happened in here. I was very happy with the um, way that the match went. Uh, the interference that kind of happened a little bit, and and just how things all played out and progressed. Um, Taya Valkyrie versus Jordan Grace. Oh, wow. My match of the week. Jordan Grace coming out on top of this, dethroning Taya Valkyrie, who um, longest knockouts champion in Impact history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, just the way that everything has worked out and played out in that match, I was I was a fan of. So my match of the week, there it is. Interesting. For this week, I actually have a runner-up first I want to talk about, and then my full actual pick. My runner-up, these are very, very close here for different reasons. My runner-up comes from this uh, past episode of AEW Dynamite. I am talking about the matchup between Jungle Boy and MJF. Here, Carl, I don't know if you had a chance to watch this match. I'm sure that you did. In my opinion, Carl, this match here was one of the most perfectly executed heel um, performances that I've seen in quite a while. MJF nailed every heel aspect in this match. It was excellent. Uh, Jungle Boy was was right on. Uh, he, he, he nailed all his spots and everything. And, and just, yeah, I mean, MJF, he elicited that proper response from the crowd right from when he stepped out onto that ramp to when he left during the entire match. I mean, he's one of those guys that really personifies the meaning of being a heel and does it the right way, even tearing up signs in the crowd. It's like he, he did like everything that you should do as a bad guy to get over as a bad guy. I just, I was, was really, really pleased that yes. uh, with that. So he, that was my runner up. Now, my actual match of the week comes from the most recent NXT TakeOver in Portland, and we're talking the the match that kicked off the show for the North NXT North American Championship, Mr. Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic, or as our own Michael Jargo likes to refer to him as Dominic Dickhead. I don't know why that is, but... Uh, 
These two guys put on one hell of a match here, Carl. If you haven't had a chance to see this, and our listeners as well, if you haven't had a chance to see this, go and check this out. It is an excellent match. Just two big guys doing stuff that big guys don't normally or shouldn't be able to do. They're both big, powerful guys. They're also very agile. Um, Keith Lee ended up getting the win, and they did kind of a kind of an embrace kind of at the end too, kind of a... You know, almost kind of like a, like a code of honor thing that they do in Ring of Honor. You know, even Dominic got up, kind of up on the turnbuckle. Keith was like, you know, climb up there. You know, you, you, you know, it's, you, de- you deserved it type of thing. You you earned it or like however you kind of word it. They kind of gave him an attaboy at the end. It was just, it was a, a great match, great show of respect at the end. It's one of those ones where, again, if you haven't, this is one of those, you just, it, it's a must watch. If you miss the rest of the, of the whole show, that's fine. Just this match is, it stole the show right, like right off the bat. My only issue with that, having said that, is if they were really kind of planning to, because this is something that I think everybody was kind of expecting to steal a show. It should, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that it should have been bumped to later in the show. Kicking off with something that's so kind of, over the top and gets so over, it's like everything else is a come down afterwards. So uh, I, I, I would have positioned it differently on the card, but I know there's people that, that disagree with that sentiment. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, no matter where it was on the show, it was going to be the, uh, the steal of the show. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, no matter yeah. what, no matter where it was on the card. <laughs> so coming out of Royal Rumble, I mean, Keith Lee uh, established himself as a star and it's just a matter of, will he go up to the main roster? I'd almost kind of like to see him stay in NXT. But you know, just that great debate of does he if he goes up, does he get used properly, and just we just honestly don't know. And this is a guy that really, really deserves a top spot, and it'd just be a matter of if Vince would see it that way, quite frankly. So that's right. Okay, Carl, we're gonna take a brief break here. We're gonna come back with our showstopper segment, and this is likely going to be probably our most controversial, hot topic. Uh, showstopper segment that I think we've ever done. Uh, even before we hit the record button, I was even almost kind of second-guessing doing this topic. It's a it's a pretty uh, polarizing. People see this issue a lot of different ways. So we're going we're gonna to touch on it, as, as kind of risky as it is. So we'll be right back here, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Caller Enable. Visit CallerEnable.com, where you can get an additional 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, including this week's featured item, the Mirror Pullover Hoodie. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and you know what time it is. It is time for our show stopper segment. Yeah. So this week here, Carl, this topic is stemming off of something that has been running pretty rampant on social media, and it's all coming from Nyla Rose winning the women, the AEW Women's Championship over this past week here, and it's really had the internet and social media kind of an uproar. People are really, it seems to be pretty divided 50-50 of how people think about this thing. Now, basically the the topic here is uh, transgender people in professional wrestling versus actual professional sports, like I'm talking like boxing, uh, kickboxing, MMA, whatnot. So first looking at the, the professional wrestling aspect of this thing here. Now, when it comes to transgender people and professional wrestling, I don't have quite as much of an issue with it as a lot of people do, just given the nature of what professional wrestling it is. It is a, a fixed thing that we're doing here. It's planned out ahead of time you know, to try and prevent injuries and whatnot. 
So when it comes to Nyla winning the women's championship, I don't have quite an issue with it, although it, it, it can be a little bit on the dangerous side because, again, people will disagree on this, but when it comes to Nyla Rose, <clears throat> when you do a DNA test, you find out Nyla is a man. I mean, just there's no changing your genetic structure. You're born either a man or a woman. You know, there is less than one percentage of the world's population out there that doesn't fit that mold, you know, hermaphrodites and all that kind of stuff. But that's a very, very minuscule percentage of the world's population. The majority of us are either born a man or a woman. And regardless of whether what kind of surgery you get done to your body, that can't change your genetic structure. You're still either a man or a woman. You can't change that. Now, having said that, Especially, I think Mexico is a good example. You know, we've had men winning women's championships and vice versa there for a long time, you know, the exoticos and stuff like that. So it's not something that's foreign to the professional wrestling world, just to get that uh, out there right off the bat. <clears throat> well, I, I just want to throw out there quick, even in North America, that's that's not something that uh, is, is foreign. Mm-hmm. I mean, we take a look at China. Um, we take a look even right now, Tessa Blanchard, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that isn't something that, that is far. We even had... Um, you know, like Santino Morella, uh, you know, playing Santina, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that's something that's not foreign even in North America. Yep. A little more prevalent in, you know, like Lucha, um, definitely, Absolutely. but not foreign to North America either. Mm-hmm. Now, when we go to the other side of things, you know, when it comes to combat sports, like we're talking specifically in mixed martial arts and boxing and karate and whatnot, that's where I I disagree with transgender people being involved in this, in fighting and the, the sex that they're not actually a part of, like men fighting against women and vice versa. But specifically, you know, men calling themselves women fighting against women. There, there are cases, there's actually one that, uh, that I found before we started recording here, Carl, of essentially this transgender person, for lack of a better term, basically caving in the head of the opponent almost to the point of death. So this is where this becomes a big issue. And there's been places or even schools that are um, going, basically saying that, you know, we can't, it's not fair for us to compete against people who aren't girls or who aren't actually women because they have an unfair advantage, especially in combat sports. Just when you're talking the actual structure of, of the person, I mean, males typically, especially when it comes to muscle and bone density, whatnot, it's completely different as opposed to women. Women have, uh, they don't have as dense of bones and typically, you know, the muscle structure is also very different. You know, in this particular case, you know, the, we saw, that be a problem because the the person just had a physical advantage so much to the to the point where it almost killed the other person. That's where I started to have this issue of where people just calling themselves whatever and just say, oh no, no, it's perfectly fine. No, in my opinion, it, it isn't. When we when we come to actual professional sports, I I, I get where you're coming from. <clears throat> um, with this as well, though. The other person involved, mm-hmm. they have every right to say, yes, I will accept this fight or no, I will not accept this fight. Mm-hmm. So they know full well going into this that they are going in against a transgendered person. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it, it all falls onto that person. If they feel comfortable enough doing it, 
okay, mm-hmm. then you've made that decision and you've made that choice. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, then you go to the promoter and say, you need to find somebody else. I am not comfortable with this. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's maybe a matter of them uh, being afraid of, you know, losing their their job or losing, you know, uh, you know, their position within that company or something like that. But um, I mean, ultimately, in the end, people, you have the right to say you agree to do this or you don't agree to do this. And that all falls on on that person. So, I mean, looking at it from that standpoint, they knew what they were getting into. Yeah, that, that, that is a fair point. And another thing with this too, another reason why I'm not really for this at all, just given just the nature of this, it draws so much negative press towards, you know, whether it be mixed martial arts or whether it be in this particular case with uh, professional wrestling is that it draws a lot of negative attention. Now, of course, we, there is that famous statement out there, well, any press is good press. Not always the case. A lot of times, bad press is just bad press. It, it can be yeah. very, very, very damaging. Now, you know, going back briefly over to this Nyla Rose thing, you know, she didn't really handle that with very much grace. You know, typically what she does is, you know, when she gets a lot of backlash, she she fights back and then immediately deletes what she said. So it makes her kind of makes Nyla a little kind of petty when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, pushing back and then deleting that. So it just it, it makes it look like she doesn't even believe her own. Uh, rhetoric that she's putting out there. So again, it just I understand everybody wants to have an equal right to do what they want to do, but I mean to a certain extent, right? And a lot of the stuff just generates so much negative press that it can really, really hamper. You know, especially an up and coming company like AEW, and, uh, and then going back over to other sports, like in, in UFC, we don't see this kind of thing. You mainly see in the smaller promotions. This is something that I don't see UFC ever allowing transgender people to actually fight just because it just it, again the negative press and you it just it it just doesn't work you, you have somebody who has an unfair physical advantage that's what it comes down to and i mean <clears throat> i i totally get that in in other combat sports mm-hmm. right definitely um professional wrestling is a totally different world though Absolutely. Uh, because they, they're they trained. They know. They know how to do the moves. They know how to take the moves. They know how to be safe in there. Because at the end of the day, you want to continue that storyline because that storyline is going to make you money, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to um, other combat sports, whether it's uh, mixed martial arts, whether it is kickboxing, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, any type of martial arts, whether it is boxing, all of those, you're going in there and your payday depends on whether or not you beat that person. Right. Right. So a little bit of different context when it comes to that. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm okay with this whole Nyla Rose thing. Um, uh, I'm sure that she is working safely because she knows that, you know, she has to, and she needs to, um, honestly, for the longest time, um, I didn't know that she was trans transgendered. Hmm. I, I I really didn't. I mean, I yeah. looked I looked at Nyla Rose and I was just like, "Damn, that's a big woman," <laughs> right? Like that's that's yeah. all that I I had really thought. I I didn't even. I mean, until like everything really started to come out yeah. over, and not just over her win, but you know, like as soon as she started getting a little bit more notoriety within AEW, then they kind of mentioned you know a little bit on social media and and you know all of that. Then it started to come out a lot more prevalent. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I was 
I was blind to it. I, I was ignorant to it. I didn't know that Nyla Rose was transgender. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought that she was a big woman like mm-hmm. China. Yeah. Like, uh, like alpha female, like Jazzy, mm-hmm. right? Like they're big women. Yeah. That's all that I had thought. Briefly on the, the match in AEW for the, the title, I got to say, I hated that, that match for, for the sole reason is that Riho was doing stuff to, to Nyla Rose that to me just, it, it was ridiculous, bordering on funny, on, on being comedic. Not, little 98 pound Rio giving German suplexes to Nyla Rose. It looked absolutely ridiculous, Carl. This should have been a two, three minute squash match at most. You compromised Nyla in, in that role, in my opinion, with giving Rio way too much offense and doing moves that just didn't physically make any sense whatsoever. And um, that match went too long. She got too much in. It should have been just a squash. Nyla just destroying her. I hated the matchup. And not for uh, just because of the transgender thing and whatnot. I'm taking that completely off the, the table with this. Just physicality-wise, it, it, the match did not make any sense whatsoever. And you know what? I, I, I feel the same with that. It should have just been a, a squash match that happened. Um, they, they've really built up Rio to be way more than, than she is. And I mean, now don't get me wrong. I understand like the, you know, the WWE has even had like Rey Mysterio beat the big show. Right. So, I mean, I, I get that, but I, I've never, <clears throat> seen Rio as any threat yeah um she comes out and she's all happy-go-lucky and 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 like you don't see uh you know like too much aggression from her and she's always uh you know like smiling in the ring and and stuff like that I I just I could not ever get behind Rio as being a viable threat or even um a world champion like I just, yeah. I couldn't get behind it. You consider the amount of other female stars that are there in AEW, and and looking at the size difference, like Rio is probably uh, the smallest one that's there, and yet she beat everyone else in these tournaments. I, I just, I, I I couldn't I couldn't get behind it at all. Yeah. It it totally, I it it felt like a slap in my face going yep this is what we're doing you're an idiot for believing it yeah yeah that the women's division over there is in shambles uh nobody can tell me any, any different honestly that there's some good talent over there but just the way that they're going about it their insistence on making Britt baker heel and having her come out and do these promos they did it again this week and it was horrible uh, people are saying, oh, well, she's being a bad guy. The audience is booing. That's the reaction you're supposed to get. This isn't heel heat. This is you aren't good at what you're doing heat. You know, Britt Baker is a good talent in the ring as a good guy, as a baby face. They, 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 they're forcing her to be this heel character, and it just isn't working. And she needs to go to promo school. She needs to go to the William Regal promo school and learn how to do a, a good promo because she is horrible at it, girl. She is awful. She was talking about, oh, her dental degrees and stuff. And everybody's like, we don't care. <laughs> we yeah. don't care. <laughs> you know, it just, it's, they need to change that. And they're starting to backpedal on some of this stuff. Like with the, um, um, the little faction with, uh, with Brandy there that, that they've apparently just abandoned that. Um, seemingly like they're just going to stop it abruptly. Uh, with that, yep. it, it's, it's weird because I think they should have actually 
you know, at least give it some kind of ending, like kick Brandy out or, and then branch the rest off into something else. But it just seems like they're just going to stop and just forget that it was ever a thing, uh, which is bizarre. But, um, yeah, they, they, that women's division there needs some help big time. And, I, um, I don't really know exactly how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I mean, we, we got to remember they're still young and, um, yeah. We just got to see how things play out and progress. That's all. Yeah. They're for, just, they're forcing some things, um, that, that just shouldn't be. And yeah, you can make an argument. That the very first champion maybe wasn't the best pick, um, yeah. ever. So yeah, we'll see what, where it goes. I mean, obviously we want it to, to be a good thing, but, uh, with this stuff, it's, you know, this title change is bringing some negative attention. Uh, we just, we, we can't ignore that fact. There's a large portion of the community out there that, that doesn't like that for various reasons, um, so we'll see what can happen. Um, and we'll just go from there. It, it, it's, we, right now, I think when it comes to women's wrestling, I think you can make the argument that NXT is probably the best women's division in professional wrestling and yeah. the rest kind of steps down from there. So hopefully AEW, they can step it up because, uh, they have a little ways to go before they can, uh, you know, get to the same level as the men there. They, they, they have some work to do. <clears throat> yes, they do. All right, Carl, I guess that about wraps it up, uh, barring any kind of breaking news. Uh, I'm not sure if we have too much when it comes to breaking news this week, but uh, I'm going to take a brief There's look a little before bit. we go. What do you got? Um, well, one quick thing, um, Sasha Banks hmm. um, is rumored to actually be part of Disney's Star Wars The Mandalorian Season hmm. 2. I just heard about that, yeah. So yeah, um, kudos to Sasha Banks for that. I mean, that's 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 cool. That's quite the accomplishment to be able mm-hmm. to uh, to get a role, whether it's a, even just a small role or or a, a bigger role. Um, but I mean, The Mandalorian is probably one of the hottest things going right now in the world of television. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, good for Sasha Banks there. Um, MVP has confirmed that he is joining WWE's backstage team as a producer. Um, Quoted as saying, well, look, I'll say this. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give you the scoop. Whether or not I'll be seen on WWE television, more has yet to be seen. Because, you know, I don't make those decisions. I would definitely make myself available for an on-screen role in some capacity. But... I'll be joining the team as a backstage producer. So there's your scoop coming from the mouth of MVP on the Booker T hall of fame podcast. So yeah, I mean, MVP coming back short lived return at the Royal rumble match, um, being one of the numerous guys to be eliminated by Brock Lesnar. Uh, the next night on raw MVP singles action, um, against Rey Mysterio. Um, yeah, like that's, and then he came back and uh, hosted uh, VIP Lounge, nice uh, with uh, Drew McIntyre, right? So, yeah, um, we'll have to see uh, kind of how things play out with this as well, and if we're going to see him a little bit more on uh, WWE television or not. But um, yeah, MVP going to be part of the backstage producing. Nice. So good for him. Um, I actually uh, got the chance to meet MVP while on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2. 
Um, I was actually wearing some uh, collar and elbow stuff, and mm. he was too, and he noticed, nice. and we got to chat for a little bit, so that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, kudos to uh, kudos to MVP. Nice. Uh, the only piece of breaking news that I have, I actually just saw this, and it, it's actually uh, got me fairly excited, which uh, you might be surprised because I don't necessarily like it when mixed martial arts people cross over into professional wrestling, but this particular person is very much known for being part of the early days of USC, has had legendary matchups with the, the likes of Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, and actually for a brief stint had some appearances wrestling in TNA or Impact Wrestling. And we are talking about 45-year-old Tito Ortiz. Uh, this is very interesting here, Carl, because he does have a wrestling background uh, with amateur wrestling, uh, some previous professional wrestling experience, and he's supposedly right now training at the Performance Center and uh, to have some type of run there. So very interesting. Uh, Tito Ortiz is somebody who has always had that kind of pro wrestling kind of persona, so it very much fits. He has the background, and he definitely has the ability. He is getting up there in age. But uh, this is somebody that um, could uh, draw some interest here, Carl. Definitely he could. Um, And I think it would be a really good crossover. Yeah. It would be a relatively short run given his age. But uh, he has a tremendous amount of crossover appeal here, Carl. He was uh, a big, big name in the world of martial arts, especially during the real kind of heyday, you know, and... If you want to see examples of his work over there, go watch some of his matchups, uh, the one specifically with Chuck Liddell. I mean, incredible stuff. Uh, the guy has a, gr- a great amateur wrestling background, and I think he has that persona. I think it could work very well. Um, a matchup with Brock Lesnar or something would be epic. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see. Uh, normally I don't like this kind of uh, situation here, but with Tito, uh, I'm, uh, I'm optimistic because he – it's it, it's it's a fit. He he has that persona, and that's one thing with a lot of these MMA guys coming in is that they don't have the ability to as kind of establish a character, do the promo work, and whatnot. Tito's just a, it would be a natural at it. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see how it kind of all plays out. It might not be for not, but it, it it would be a cool thing to maybe do a couple one off type of things and kind of drop some interest. I know Fox will be all over this too. They'll love this. Oh yeah, Fox so. would be. All right, cool. Some uh, some interesting stuff there. So yes, uh, and yeah. good stuff for us to be able to keep watching over mm. the weeks as things progress closer and closer to WrestleMania, mm-hmm. uh, big time of the year for professional wrestling and professional wrestling fans. So yeah, uh, really really looking forward to uh, seeing what's going to happen and what's going to come of everything for uh, the road to WrestleMania. So. Yep. And as per usual, too, there'll be a lot of other shows going around at the same time. There's a lot of these other promotions like to run around at the same time just because there is a, a rise in interest usually typically around that time. So you like Wrestle yeah. Circus, or Ring of Honor, New Japan, you name it. Uh, they're going to all kind of uh, step up their game a little bit to kind of get them to run for their money. And I think that that New Japan show uh, that's being done at Madison Square Garden, I think is being done roughly around the same time and could uh, steal some interest and some views away from WrestleMania this year, uh, depending yep. on what kind of card they can put together there. So, yeah, it's an exciting time, and, and hopefully they can WWE can step up their game and give us an intriguing WrestleMania. Uh, so far, it's uh, fallen pretty flat, but uh, there is still a little bit of time uh, to step things up here and generate some interest, uh, especially if they want to do this Undertaker and AJ thing because 
that has a potential, but just right now there's just there there's no there's no meat on that bone, so they need to yeah. uh, to make this exciting. Otherwise, it could be a big flop this year, Carl. It could be. All right, man. Well, I think that wraps up for this week. All right, guys. Until the next one. Have a nice day. See you guys on the next one. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content, especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. Thank you.